Hello and welcome to the Celtic Den Under podcast. I'm your host, Jared, and joining me are three of the four of us that were at the Sydney Super Cup last week. We've got Shane and Sean. How are you, Shane? I'm good, thanks, mate. I'm still all a buzz or buzzing, if you will, uh, after experiencing uh, watching Celtic for the first time. It's a, it's a cloud that I'm, I haven't come down from quite yet, and I'm not too sure how long it'll take either. So I'm good, mate. Really good. And how are you, Sean? Yeah, I had a, a hangover on Monday and Tuesday, and uh, well, I don't know, if you, maybe not a literal hangover, but I was certainly absolutely knackered and probably probably also literally hungover. And I'm still sunburnt on my scalp as well uh, from sitting out in the sun. Uh, but yeah, this morning felt like the first time I was really fully recovered, and it's now Wednesday. Fair enough, mate. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. For me, it was yeah. It was all right. No hangovers. Just got home and I'm just like, can't wait for bed. And <laughs> then the next day I wake up. So that yesterday and I was just like, all day I was just singing in my head, everywhere we go. I just had that <laughs> chant in my head nonstop, pretty much since Sunday. Fun times. The joys of being a Celtic fan. So, um, yeah, what we'll do before we start, just anyone watching, have a um, – if you haven't done so already, please hit the subscribe button and so down under podcast, both on YouTube and on the podcast app you're listening to it in. Uh, we've got our we've got some merch going on now, so I'll share the site a bit later on. There's t-shirts, hoodies available on there. Uh, we've also got a bunch of the flags, like the one behind Shane and myself, if you're watching on YouTube, that are for sale. So they'll be available on there as well, or you can send us a message on Twitter at Celtic Down. But yeah, just um, what we'll do, we're basically going to be talking about this whole pod will be there's how our, how the Sydney Super Cup was, our stories from it, people we run into, all that sort of stuff. If you're tuning in, get involved in the comments section. Let us know and um, what your what your thoughts and memories from the weekend are, and then we'll have a bit of a laugh at Rangers towards the end of the the podcast. Sorry, Sevco, got to get that right just for Sean. And um, yeah, we'll go from there. So, Shane, you were the first one of us to arrive in the Sydney out of the three of us on here. So, me and Sean both got in on the weekend. So, do you want to give us a rundown of when you got in the Sydney and the events and that that you went to and everything up until Saturday? Yeah, of course. Yeah, well, um, if you'll uh, permit me to indulge for a bit. So, um, for those who are aware, this is the first time I've, I've ever gone up to to see Celtic play live. So um, it was a really exciting moment and, um, you know, something I've been looking forward to for a long time. So, um, you know, a group of us went up. So um, a few of you may know Vinny from the comments uh, on the on the YouTube channel. Vinny and I are good mates and we're good Celtic fans. And um, we both went up with our, uh, our partners as well. And we went up on the Wednesday. Uh, before I forget, I do want to give a big shout out to my lovely partner, Bridget, my good mate, Vinny, and his lovely partner, Lisa, as well. Um, having you guys all along uh, for the trip uh, was just the best. So big shout out to you guys um, for coming up as well. Um, I digress. To get back to where we're going, um, so we went up on the Wednesday um, in prep for Thursday night's game. Um, and so we just sort of got a mid-afternoon flight laid up, chilled out mainly for Wednesday evening, didn't really get up to much. 
Thursday was more about getting involved with the fan experience. So um, that was about sort of getting out to uh, to the place to be, which was Scruffy Murphy's, and uh, kicking back with uh, with the other Celtic fans who um, uh, on the Thursday uh, were sort of in and around the city in, in very good numbers. Um, that led on to uh, Thursday night's game. Um, I won't get into the match details and I will chat about that later, but just being part of the group of Celtic fans at the front there, everyone standing, everyone singing. Um, it was just really wonderful. But for me, the best part of that particular day and the rest of the days was sharing stories with people. So meeting people, I've met countless people throughout the course of the week up there, um, uh, shared stories, swapped love of Celtic stories, discussed, you know, where the club's going to futures, things like that. And there's countless people I chatted to. I'm sorry, I, I can't name you all because there were simply too many of you. But um, to uh, to everyone who uh, reached out to me and chatted to me and and took time to to go through things with me, just a massive thank you so much. Um, it really, when people say Celtics are family, it, it's really true. And uh, to kind of experience that firsthand was was wonderful. Um, I also did the fan event on the Friday, so that was with the Q and A. Um, that had Scott McDonald there doing the Q and A. He looks as he looks sharp. He he um he just he looks like um he could literally like lace up tomorrow. I was surprised he didn't come on on Sunday. To be honest, I'm surprised they didn't put him onto the team sheet. Um, and it was basically the fan event was the last thing we went to, and then it was sort of hanging around Scruffy Murphy's and just sort of dotting around the city, chatting to various Celtic people. Um, but yeah, like. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I don't want to repeat myself, but um, just a, a massive thank you to everyone who, who I chatted to and shared stories with. It was it was so much appreciated. Yeah, just off the back of what Shane's saying, I think just while we'll do some shout-outs, um, main one I want to shout-out to is the guys at the Sydney City CSC and the staff at Scruffy Murphy's were putting on great, great home base for us all up there. It's unbelievable. And as Shane was saying, just bouncing around the – the pub, talking to people, hearing their stories, and it's just great to hear. And, yeah, me and, me and Sean get to Scruffy Murphy's on Saturday. We order in a pint. And what happened, Sean? Oh, are you talking about Alex? Yeah. 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 Old lad Alex Russell, what did he say? was 72, 73. Uh, yeah. I think he, he absolutely stacked it. Um, spilled his Guinness up. all over the place, just fell on the floor, floor of the pub. Which is only just opened, so there wasn't that many people in. But yeah, we had to we picked him up, and he was like completely out of it, uh, and uh, called him an ambulance. And uh, he decided to just go for a walk on his own. Before yeah, ambulance takes forever in uh, Australia, so he just walked away before that ambulance arrived. So who knows what happened to him after that? Hopefully he's fine. Uh, the barman was chasing him up the road and everything. Off the back of that as well, they like. We ordered the pints, that had happened, but we're standing there and I was like, Jared, is that you? Sean? Like they picked the voices straight away. People oh, listen yeah. to the podcast. I gotta give a shout out to to there's those guys, but then there was also a bunch of others as well that we've seen over the weekend who come up about the podcast and it's great to great to see. But funny part was Alex who went over, got given a hundred bucks for it, get a cab back to his hotel, and then he decided to walk home. <laughs> yeah, what a legend! <laughs> yeah, people were all that to me. Oh, how did I know you? Did I know you from somewhere? I'm like, do you listen to podcasts? Aye. All right, okay. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was it. pretty funny to be honest with you. you yeah, it was uh, good though. But 
yeah, just overall for us, the um, yeah, just being there in the CSC, bunch of people going around handing out our pins. It's good fun. Chatna, Chatnorm, yeah, great venue, three different levels. We'll be back at some point. Tommy Boy in the comments, got a comment here. What's it, Scruffy Murphy's Thursday, Saturday, <laughs> Sunday, and I'm still and I'm dying. Still, what a weekend, guys! It's a pleasure. Yeah, can't wait to get back there as well, mate. But yeah, we'll um, what we'll do is Shane. We're gonna talk about the uh, the Sydney FC game. So. I've got the lineup somewhere on my phone. Just bear with me a second while I scroll through about 400 photos from Sunday. <laughs> so starting lineup there with Seagrist in goal, Ralston, Welsh, Starfelt, Burnaby, Abelgard, Itaguchi and Turnbull in the midfield, Abada, Forrest with the captain's armband and Kyogo up front. So overall, first I'll go to you, Sean, instead of you, Shane. I'll go, Sean, what was your thoughts when you saw that lineup? Uh, you, you know, was surprised that Hart and Drakomakis were nowhere to be seen, but uh, they obviously explained later it was uh, some minor injuries, uh, Yens and concussion protocol. Other than that, it was strongest team you could expect. Uh, it was good to see, well, apart from maybe the centre mid, we were going to see Gucci and Abelgard getting the run out. Uh, I think if you're going to choose any game this season to test them out, then a friendly against uh, Sydney FC is surely the one to do. And they, they didn't overly impress, to be honest. Uh, they, I mean, they looked like they knew what they were doing, but uh, they certainly didn't look like they were ready to replace O'Reilly or Hitati or uh, Turnbull even at a drop of a hat. So that, that was or that was a little bit concerning. Welsh got absolutely smoked for pace on a couple of occasions and Burnaby was badly out of position and uh, Seagrist was the player that impressed me the most uh, in terms of uh, playing above expectation um, yeah uh, but apart from that it was yeah not much else of a surprise yeah just for me I was looking at it and I was like okay it's good to see these guys but the way Sydney FC played it was yeah was pretty pretty ugly in terms of we we played their game we didn't make them play our game and with the guys we had second half we made those subs and we started to like imprint ourselves more on the game and the style we wanted to for the first 15 minutes of the second half and then they get that goal and then all bets are off from there which is pretty ugly but yeah i think abelgard didn't really do much so I'm a little disappointed there. Get a Gucci. Normally when I'm watching a game on TV, it's one where I can hear them and be like, you hear the commentators or you see a player everywhere. And I didn't see Gucci anywhere and I didn't hear the commentators say his name very often. So to me, it was almost like we're a man down out there. But as you said, Sean, if it's going to happen in any game, do it in a friendly against Sydney. So Shane, you were at the stadium. The floor is yours. Tell us all about it. So um, I'll just preface the comments on the game in terms of the atmosphere. So, um, you know, I think we discussed in, in previous podcasts what the sort of crowd and crowd expectations were. And, you know, I, I think if, if we're talking factually, it probably would have been around 15,000 or so. Um, 
the atmosphere that was being generated though by the Celtic fans, which um, I was sort of at the front of as well, was just fantastic from go to woe. Like even after the final whistle, just exactly what we've come to expect: singing, fun. The result didn't matter, and and that, that and that extends to the other game, which we'll chat about later. Really, the result didn't matter uh, per se, but the the actual atmosphere that the fans created uh, was one that that was really great to be part of and and came through and everybody there had a good time irrespective of the result. I only bumped into one person who was disappointed uh, following the game. Um, Everyone else seemed to just take it in their stride. So um, shout out to the fans for doing an awesome job. Um, That atmosphere was was excellent. Um, Getting on to the match itself, look, I echo a lot of Sean's comments, to be honest. Um, It's funny he mentioned Welsh. I literally have in my notes Welsh. Welsh running in quicksand. Um, it, yeah, he he got burned a couple of times. I thought we were pretty. Um, it wasn't a good game in the first half. I thought it was pretty, pretty kind of sluggish. Um, Sydney really did set up to kind of play on the counter, and um, you know we didn't really do much to draw them out. Really, um, I don't think we played at the tempo that we used to. But I also didn't think we had any kind of. Um, control or presence in midfield either. I, I don't think the sort of combination of Itaguchi and, and Abelgaard worked at all well. Um, I think both of them were pretty um, uh, pretty peripheral uh, in the first half and I wasn't surprised when Ange made some changes. I actually thought, to be honest, over the first half in particular, but probably over the course of the game, I thought Tony Rolston was probably one of our better players, if not our best on the park. I thought he was he was excellent. Um for Sydney, look, uh, may not have played well, but they set up well. Um, and they had a couple of players in particular, I thought, uh, had good games. I thought Howard Bell for them, which is their keeper. I think in any other A-League team, he's probably a starting keeper. And I thought he was excellent. He made a couple of pretty big saves, um, particularly late on as well. Um, I also thought for them, Joe Lolly. Joe Lolly looked like he was going to take the game away from us at various stages, just when he would get... Uh, on the counter and um, Bernabe really didn't have any sort of touch or feel for him uh, in terms of his positioning. He he looked like he could take the game away from us. And he was the one who had that that shot that um, I think from memory cannon off the crossbar or, or took a touch. Yeah, he, he, I thought, was excellent throughout. So second half was much better um, when the subs came on. So in particular, the three of Jota, Hatate and, and Haksabanovic. And I felt for that first 20 minutes, we we played the way we, we would normally expect. We were all over them. We were, we were winning the ball high up the park. We were having repeat phases. And their only or their first foray forward for that second half was in the 60th minute. Their first foray forward, their first attack for that whole second half was about 15 minutes in and they scored from it. It was just, it was one of those things where you just throw your hands up and go, I can't believe it. Um, yeah, it, look, second half was much better, much more, much more of what we'd expect in terms of the way we play and what we want to do. But um, just uh, weren't able to create that that sort of those guilt-edged chances. We had a couple, but overall, um, I felt that final ball into the box just wasn't there throughout the whole match, to be honest. Something you said there, Shane, about that first chance they created in the second half, they scored in the 60th minute. They took their chance. We didn't. Yep. That's the story of our time in Sydney. So, yeah, something to say. But there was another guy that playing for Sydney, you mentioned Lolly before. The one that impressed me the most was Robert Mack, who used to play at Ferencvaros. I thought he knew the level. He played well. And that's probably the best I've seen him play this season as well. 
in the Sydney top. So, yeah, interesting. But, Sean, you got anything you want to add? Yeah, I thought Ryan Grant had a good game as well on the overlap. I don't know if that was just because Bernabe was letting him look good, but either way. Uh, we talked about over the last couple of days about uh, Boson Lawell making a good uh, audition to be putting up ahead of Stephen Welsh in the pecking order of our centre-backs. Uh, yep. and, and having seen him, like, not on the pitch in person, but, like, seeing him physically in person uh, at the Accor Stadium, uh, he is a beast. So he could well be uh, the next man up uh, challenging to get in there soon. Realistically, what we we're talking about was, okay, with our centre-backs, you've got Karavikas, Starfelt and Jens. They're your top three so far. Then you're bringing in the next rung down is Welsh, Kobayashi. We're bringing in, we don't know where he's going to fit in the mix, and then Lowell or Lowell, however you say it. So you've got three as your top three, and then you've got your next lot down. Who's going to establish themselves as that four-string centre-back for us? Because there is a spot there. You need to have four quality guys there at least. And, yeah, Welsh has flooded to deceive quite a lot. Yeah, he's just, it's interesting because it feels like he's almost been kept in the team now because he's one of the requirements for the Champions League European squads, yep. you know, to have homegrown players and stuff like that. It, it, he's not really stepped up. He's... It's kind of static in terms of his development. So it's a concern. I was saying to Shane and Vinny on the train back after Sunday's game that I think he what Welsh needs is like a um an Ayer sort of loan. Second half of the season, go out on loan in the club in Scotland and play week in, week out, whether that's to Killy or to Aberdeen or wherever, he needs to go and play week in, week out. And if we're going to promote Lowell up and we're going to bring in Kobayashi, then we can do that. But, yeah, for yeah. me, I think he needs that because if he doesn't get that move and come back from it looking like he's ready to go, he's at the Owen O'Connell stage of his career with us where he's not going to progress any further. Yeah, I mean, obviously you get a lot of benefits from experience, but he's never going to get faster. So um, there's that as well. Yep. All right, so now before we jump over to Sunday's game, let's have a bit of a chuckle. I think it's this button. I'm not sure. (laughs) Yeah, zombie watch. The mob across town, the manky mob, the Sevkinites, Sack Geo. Sean, your thoughts? Uh, bit of a surprise, really, and not just in terms of the absolute decision, but in terms of the way they did it, <laughs> to wait, like, um, I don't know, what was it, a week and a half or whatever, uh, whatever it was after their last game, two weeks almost, um, to then do it. I mean, I guess the players were on holiday anyway, so it's not like they were missing out in training, but they could have been... Yeah, it almost feels like they had someone lined up and that's why they've done it now. I'm not sure. But I also feel... Cough, cough, Michael Beale, cough, cough. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, apparently QPR are okay with that after their recent run of results. Uh, and yeah, it also feels... Also worth pointing out that Sevco are only three points worse off than they were last year in the league. So 
really it's almost down to them trying to live up to the standards we've set and not being able to do so. So Apostacoglu can claim that scalp, I think. Happy days then. So that's his scene off too so far. Let's go for the hat trick this time next year. And Shane, what's your take on it all? Yeah, I echo Sean's sentiments. Uh, timing was a little bit surprising. I probably thought he had until the uh, the New Year Glasgow derby uh, and then a poor result there probably would have sealed his fate. Uh, so I'm a little bit surprised they've moved now. I think Sean's comment about them probably having someone lined up is correct. It, it seems a little bit knee-jerky uh, to make without having that kind of assurance. So it wouldn't be surprised if they make an announcement shortly. Um for those of an Australian persuasion who might be watching and tuning in, uh, I'm pretty confident it won't be Kevin Musket. So everyone is sort of pushing that and saying it's a, a possibility. I, I don't see it happening. Um, I, I just can't see them uh, taking a punt on him at this stage. Yeah, it's not going to be Muskie because let's be honest, Muskie's just signed a new contract with Marinos. So it's going to be a nice buyout there. On top of that, they were um and ah about getting rid of Geo because of how much it was going to cost to pay him and all his staff that they've sacked. Yet, if they came to the Sydney Super Cup like originally planned, they would have had the money to do all of that. So, suffering your jocks, Sevco. Good Australian term for you. There we go. But now, for me, I'm, I look at it and go, yeah, it's odd timing. But I can understand why they're making the move now because – Okay, the players are on a break for what, 10, 14 days, whatever. They'll come back next week. Whoever the new man is, get him in, get a good solid three week block of training before they jump into the, you know, return mid December. Then you get him, he gets to, the new manager gets to see those players on the pitch for a couple of weeks. And then he can make whatever moves he needs to in January. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. And in the comments, RL77, everyone should treat themselves to a listener, Kevin Thompson on the BBC Sports Sound podcast, Heavy Staunch Madness. Listen to that or Super Scoreboard this week. It's some of the funniest stuff I've heard on a podcast in a long time. Yeah, they're definitely going mental. They, I was absolutely in bits. Uh, one of the memes I saw on Twitter of the, the Broxy's Christmas party one, it was like they'd put on the picture of like an existential angst teddy bear and just staring into the distance. <laughs> <laughs> I was buckled by it, honestly. I have a question. Had Servco put out their Christmas, you know, video yet? They're not. They're selling tickets for the Christmas party. I know that. I was only asking because, you know, yeah. Geo being an elf on the shelf and everything in their <laughs> Christmas ad and you know, still being in it, but getting sacked would be kind of awkward, wouldn't it? Mm. It'd be like buying a, a like a calendar, and then the the guy who you've got at the end of the year was sold in January, on January in the in the summer break. It'd be like that. <laughs> then there's probably some last minute editing and photoshopping going on. Reason I brought up the calendars is my mum bought a Melbourne Storm rugby league calendar years ago, right? Probably four or five years ago at least, and. The guy who was in November, season ends in, what is it, September, first weekend of October. The guy who was on November left the club at the end of the season, so was no longer at the club when he was on the calendar. That's why that one popped into my head. It's brilliant. I mean, that's always a risk for yep. the second half of the year. Exactly. 
So the main event was on. So we we recorded some stuff at the CSC, right? On the Saturday night. Sound quality was rubbish. There was that much background noise of music being played, people talking, people cheesing. It was hard to use it. The only sound recording, I'm going to play it now, Sean, just for a laugh. The only thing that was usable was Sean doing a testing on the, on the mic to make sure it worked. It's the only thing that sound was decent for. So this is all we got out of the recording from the weekend. Our scandal, our scandal. <laughs> Saying, our scandal. Happy days. <laughs> Can you take that little E for explicit box now, Jared? Yep. Had to. Had to. <laughs> so going into the game against Everton, we we're talking to people at CC and we had a bunch of like there were some of the recordings. There's people people going, Oh yeah, we'll win four one. We'll win, you know, it'll be two one. Cal McGregor's gonna score. That was that was Shane's mate from down at um Mornington. Was Mornington. it Ryan? Right. Shout out to Ryan, yep. Down at the social salts in Mornington. Uh, yeah, so we had a whole bunch of people on there. We had, um, but on the Saturday night, we were, we were at the CSC. So there was me, there was Sean, there was Shane, there was Bridget. We had Tony Haggerty from the Celtic Way. We met him there. Um, and Willie, who's one of the admins on the Facebook group, he came over from, from uh, where did he come from? Wellington, New Zealand, came from there, from Hawke's Bay. So it was good to see you, Willie, and put a face to the name in person and everything. And um, hope you're feeling all right because it looks like he's a bit crook from the trip. But you'll be right, mate. But it was good meeting you. Um, so we had all them guys give their score predictions, a bunch of other people, and the sound was no good, so I couldn't use it. But the general consensus going into the game was if we went out there with a, with a strong lineup and imposed our style of football – we were going to be much better than we were against Sydney. And overall, I think we did that in the game. We were just wasteful in front of goals. Yet again. It's like Celtic in Europe. So we had the starting lineup, Joe Harding goals, Ralston, Jens Starfelt, and it was Taylor, wasn't it? Yep. Mm-hmm. It started. Yep. And then Hatade, O'Reilly. Was it Turnbull in the midfield as well? Yep. Um, yep. 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 Cool. Yeah, I did definitely. right. And then we had Kyogo, Jota, and Haksabanovic up front. A couple of tricky wingers. Get at them. And then Everton come out and play a 5 3 2. Three centre backs, a couple of wing backs, and park the bus and try to hit us on the counter. It's an entertaining game overall. Like we had periods where we were on top. They had a couple of periods where they hit us on the counter and came close to scoring. Starfeld had a massive slip up and Sean sitting next to me was like, full on. <laughs> it was great. But no, nah, the the best memory for me overall, other than being in the crowd, being in the stadium, seeing the crowd, having the huddle going on and a bunch of the chants, and that was we talk about us over here. This team is so likable. And you sit there and you watch them on TV. And, Sean, you mentioned it when you went over to Scotland earlier in the season that seeing them on the pitch and seeing the amount of running and that and the pressing and that they do off the ball, now I get what you meant by that. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. And in that 28-degree heat that we had on Saturday, on Sunday, yeah, a lot of, lot of effort went into all of that. But a couple of minutes into it and all of a sudden Jota's just like 
done some tricks and made Patterson look like a, a witch's hat. And I'm just like, hang on, they're in front of me. I knew it was in the stadium, but it was odd just to see it. So mm. it's great to great to see the team playing. So thanks, Ange and the boys for coming out here. But Sean, what was your take on the game overall? Yeah, as, as you say, it's um, when when you're watching the game and the, the cameras focused on the ball, you don't see that uh, Greg Taylor's already started his closing down run before the the pass has even been played and stuff like that. You know, so that sort of thing that's happening off camera. Uh, the game, the only two players that disappointed me were uh, Starfelt and Haksibanovic. I thought, apart from that, we played pretty well, uh, other than failing to score. Um, setters from Kyogo and Abada were all-timers, to be honest. I, I don't know how we, we didn't win that game, at least 2-0. Uh, we looked a lot better when Forrest came on. I don't know if that's just Haksibanovic suffering from jet lag or whatever. We already discussed recently how knackered he's been so that was probably why there was a rumor of him staying behind for uh, Montenegro uh, but yeah he looks like he could do with a rest to be honest so hopefully he gets a couple of weeks off now and gets absolutely firing in uh, the second half of the season um, but yeah apart from that there wasn't it was good it was entertaining Everton should have been one or two nil up when they were through and goal but to be honest we dominated possession and in the second half we should have had those two chances from a couple of yards out, unobstructed, that should have been goals. And uh, and there was just, yeah, and apart from that, was just a, we did get a lot of possession in dangerous areas in and around the box and just couldn't quite get that cutting edge. Just on, um, before Shane jumps in, I'm going to bring up a comment from Vanessa here, which was totally outplayed Everton, just couldn't score. Mm-hmm. I think that pretty much sums it up. So, I think that's a um, a general theme because Tommy Boy in the comments is saying if Kiago and GG don't start to score more goals, and I think we'll have a new upfront player because it's killed us this season with the Champions League. And, yeah, it's the same over here, so that's pretty much it. And then Tony Cassidy's got a comment, hey, lads, we need to sign more quality. I know Angel will be working on that in the thing, but what you were saying, Sean, about Haksabanovic needing a break, yeah, all the players get like nine days off or something, and then they go for a camp in Portugal. And while we're there, we're going to be playing a game, I think it's against Rennes or something like that, one of the French teams. So I think that's a week before our first league game back against Aberdeen. So that'll be good. But Shane, you were sitting on the other side from us. So uh, what was your take on the game from over there? Well, um, to start with, in comparison to... Thursday night's game, I thought the overall performance was much better, much more of what we'd expect, much more in line with how we would um, sort of usually imagine Celtic would play in a sense that we dominated the ball. We got into, as Sean said, we were able to get the ball into a lot of dangerous areas. We looked threatening. We we looked like we were creating. Um, I thought we had the bulk, we created the bulk of the chances throughout the match um, and yet, as Sean correctly put it, on the couple of times that Everton broke, particularly in the first half, they probably should have gone at least a goal or two goals to the good. Right? They had a couple of guilt-edged chances where they just, um, particularly the the Molpe one where he had to chip Joe Hart, like that was, I, I was surprised you didn't get that on target. Um, but overall, I thought we were really good. I thought Jota was exceptional. I thought he was just, um, as you said, he was he was making Patterson look um, 
like a witch's hat. It was just he was putting on a show and and he was getting into really dangerous areas, putting good balls into the box. That free kick that rolled off the crossbar, oh, my God, that was that was so close. Um, look, I, I thought we played very well and we played very well across the, the 90. I thought it was a pretty good performance. And and I'd, I'd agree that when Forrest came on, I think he gave us a little bit of extra uh, grunt, if you will. His, his work to win that ball back and put the ball uh, across for a barter uh, should have been scored. That, that, that should have been rewarded. That was a good effort, and uh, it was disappointing about to miss that. Same with Kyogo leaning back on, on the ball that came across to him in the second half. That like we in that second half we had the guilt edge chances. We should have actually scored and and, and gone away. Um, I thought for them. Um, I thought uh, is it Begovic that was in goal? Um, yeah. I thought he had a great game. I thought he made a couple of good saves. I, I know people were sort of giving Kyogo a, a bit of a rough time on the, the first half one where he sort of, Hatade played him in. He nicked the ball behind the defender and took the shot. I give Begovic a bit more credit. I thought his positioning was really good and I thought he knew exactly where Kyogo was going to go. <laughs> and um, I thought he positioned himself perfectly uh, for that instead of sort of um, second guessing. So I give Begovic a little bit of credit. Um, look, there were a couple of ch- uh, times where they broke in the second half. I think there was one where sort of Starfelt had come up, missed the ball. Jens was caught in no man's land. Um, a couple of times where we just looked a, a bit kind of, um, I, I don't know, we just looked caught short when they went forward, uh, but we're able to get out of it. Uh, there was one in particular where Starfelt nearly, nearly nicked it past Joe Hart. That was um, that was pretty remarkable. Um, the other thing I wanted to comment on um, was just the pace that Everton possessed, particularly the, the the back, well, even the back five, if you will, but mainly the back three. There was one part in the second half where I, I can't remember the Everton player, but he's nodded it back towards goal. Jotter's got a break. And oh, I can't remember the, the fella's name, the, the lad's name for Everton, but he starts behind Jotter, but he very quickly works his way in front of him and wins the foul. Um, and the fullback, the left back at one stage, Abada broke, had a pretty decent gap and the the left back had had um by the time they reached the ball had already beaten a barter to it so i thought the pace that they possessed they, they were quicker than us particularly their defenders in comparison to our couple up front so that was something i noted as well but overall a very pleasing performance tail of the tape is um when we did have our chances we just didn't take them unfortunately um, they didn't either so it uh, kind of ended in a stalemate nobody just counts these penalties right no, nah. what you were saying there, Shane, <laughs> as well, something we discussed after it as well was that, yeah, you were saying about their pace. And I said, what overall for me is when we had Ollie Burke sign for us, he just looked like an athlete trying to play football. These guys, they just are a lot bigger and more athletic than us across the pitch. So, yeah, it was, um, it shows that there's a bit of a difference there. But you look at a guy like Greg Taylor, and then you look at the size of their left back, nothing against Taylor. He's just about six inches shorter than the guy. So in the in the eighty eighth minute, you know, they may be in the same position, but that extra six inches of height there is going to make a big difference defending those last minute crosses coming into the box. So yeah, it's just little things like that I noticed as well. But at the same time, the way we play, our speed and our I'll say twitchiness in terms of how we can quickly change direction and get somewhere quicker than they could. The speed over the first three or four steps, we were faster, but the overall pace, if they had to go for a 10, a 5, 10, 15-metre run, they'd probably outrun us over that same burst. But 
each to their own. At the end of the day, Sean's sitting there, you know, with his toothpick trying to have a bit of a thinky. So what do you got out of Sean? <laughs> yeah, no, I was just remembering, trying to think who the best player was. And I remember on the day thinking it was probably Ralston, uh, mainly for his kind of involvement in both ends. And I was just remembering that 90th minute sprint back to defend that he put in as well. Uh, but I also thought Hitati was really classy throughout the game as well and O'Reilly. And I feel like Everton got away with a couple of bad tackles as well, which was oh, a bit out yeah. of character for a friendly. That that one on Price where he went in on O'Reilly, oh, that was terrible. That was the one on the edge of the box. That was – I'm surprised he didn't get a booking for that. That was, that was pretty bad. Yeah. All right. So what I'm going to do, if you're watching on YouTube, jump on the comments. Let us know in one sentence what is your overall – summary of the of the trip down here in the super cup so perfect thing here is vanessa's one she said unfortunately this trip showed that gucci isn't going to make it at celtic that's her takeaway from it let us know your takeaway uh, hail Miko from Miko from finland <laughs> I, was, I was gonna say rocco vata has the best squad number that's my takeaway yeah. <laughs> yep my takeaway is people in the crowd holding up signs pre-game saying, Joe Hart, can I have your gloves? Or people doing that sort shirt. of thing with a scar, with, with signs asking for players' shirts, that is a scourge on football. Get rid. Yeah, they did. They did I don't know if it was on the TV, Celtic TV coverage or not, but they did uh, maybe five of the players did jump over the barrier at the end and in, in the de-glove and de-shirt themselves and give it to the fans. I don't know what the kind of logic behind how they give it out was because Jota was kind of looking, looks like he was looking for someone in particular. So I don't know if he had seen a different sign earlier and was looking for them. Uh, that would concern me if uh, players were thinking about that during a game, like who am I giving my shirt to? Uh, who am I giving my gloves to? The funny thing is that video of Jota doing that in the background when he hands the shirt over, this flag right behind me was was in the background. And, uh, yeah, I had a, a friend of mine go, hey, I didn't know you were at the game. I saw your flag. <laughs> yeah. Happy Is that the one where you, you went all the way up to the top tier to hang out? Yeah. Just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> that, was some, that was some good exercise. And hail, hail to Paul. Now, result happened, as Shane mentioned, penalties don't count. Game was over. Went to a penalty shootout. Uh, old mate, Jack Amakis, nah, no penalties for you anymore, buddy. No chance. I think he was aiming at the goals on the big screen because he missed by that much. Um, wasn't wasn't a nice effort. And, yeah, so what's the penalty shootout? Who cares? Best thing for me was Sydney was green and white overall. Stadium was rocking. Got to see Celtic play live for the first time in, in – over here since 2011. And I've got a video to share with you all, which I recorded just after the after the game. Um, will this be about 15, 20 minutes after, you reckon, Sean? Uh, well, we'd had time to go for a piss and things like that. So, yeah. Must yeah get the flag. Like, yeah, it would have been that. Yeah. So this is the sort of thing we saw in was happening around the um, – inside the stadium on the way out. So here we go. 
Yeah, so as you can see, there was quite a bit going on in there. There was um, a whole bunch of people having a nice little hangout and everything, having a bit of a chant and everything. It was great to see, great to be part of. The atmosphere was amazing overall. And, um, yeah, come back soon, Celtic. We'll uh, happily have you back. And the talk is they're going to be going to Japan soon, as Andrew was saying. He wants to go and keep doing this sort of thing. If they're in Japan soon, got me passport, flights will be booked. We'll be heading up there as well. It'd be interesting to see what the actual number is in terms of uh, the kind of cash value of this tour. I know uh, from what I've heard, there's a lot of performance-related uh, kind of payouts. So we'll, based on the kind of attendance uh, of like 50% at each game, I'd say we might not have hit that kind of performance one. But uh, if there was any kind of benchmarks for selling pints i'm sure we did surpass those uh or in the the official merchandise stall outside the stadium was was queued out as well so may not have hit the full potential but uh you know we there was things like uh the change of kickoff time so that everyone ended up with sunburn and sunstroke that was great uh thanks for that sydney uh didn't even put any free sunscreen out top job and you know somebody needs to have a think about that one uh but yeah i think there could have been something a bit better around the scheduling but apart from that the actual things that were all happening on the day and, and around the stadium were all great uh having the live music the the kind of extended uh beer drinking zones outside the pubs the Express trains from the city centre, uh, even guys didn't like keep you up to the ball, all the food trucks that got shipped in. Yeah, a lot of it was done really, really well. Uh, the only My only complaint would be the time of day the game was at and the, the kind of day-to-day scheduling of the whole event. As yeah. in, they doing it on a Sunday kind of thing. I, I, <clears throat> I might just jump in there because um, just to paint the picture for Verona, like who hasn't been out to that stadium, when you get off the train, you, there's a couple of hundred metres between you and the stadium that you sort of walk along so you can see the stadium directly uh, in front of you. Um, and as Sean said, there's sort of bars and things on on either side that they'd set up. So um, when I got there, it was like a festival kind of atmosphere. You had the bars sort of, you know, piled with people grabbing drinks, catching up, chatting, having a lot of fun. Even the eateries a bit further parallel to the station sort of in line with it were packed with people just, um, you know, catching up and getting ready for the day. You had people on rollerblades uh, coming up and down the middle. I'm not sure what that was all about. You had a band uh, playing. They were playing Pink Floyd at one stage. It, it had this kind of festival atmosphere vibe. There was a real chilled out, really enjoyable kind of, hey, the, this is going to be a really cool day. And you had the sun shining down. The only thing pain from from weather perspective was the wind. The wind was just ridiculous. Like um, if I'd pulled the flag, like we'd pulled the big flag out in the wind and I was holding it, I would have flown away. Like I would have gone <laughs> over the stadium. It would have just taken me and taken me who knows where, possibly back Jane, to Central. Then wouldn't exist anymore. You'd probably be in Queensland. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was a really interesting kind of vibe. It was a real kind of what I call a summary vibe. And I think there were a lot of things they did well. Definitely the the sunscreen stuff and putting everybody in the sun due to the kickoff time change was was a bad move and it was disappointing they didn't cater for that. Um, I'm not going to chat too much about it because I was in the shade. Um, yeah, that, that was a bit frustrating. But uh, apart from that, they did do a lot of things right. The one thing with that stadium is, yeah, there's a lot of open spaces around. So if it was raining, you come off the train, you're going to get soaked before you get to the stadium. 
if you're in the stadium, there's not a lot of crowd cover in the lower deck. Mm-hmm. Shane, as you said, you were lucky you were in the shady side. I got sunburnt for the first time in God knows how long. Good fun, but <laughs> totally worth it anyway. So, yeah, what we'll do is I think we've pretty much t- touched on everything there was to uh, go through with um, the Sydney Super Cup, discussed the games, discussed it all. We'll go a final thought, but the final thought I want from each of us, instead of it being our silly ones that we do, we can do that like right at the end as well. I want a final thought from Sydney for the three of us on if you were playing football manager or if you were the director of football right now at Celtic, what would your take be on the squad? Where would you be strengthening? What would be your, your main position and priority based on what we saw at the Sydney Super Cup and what we've seen so far this season? Do you want some more thinking time, Sean, or you? No, yeah, no, I could answer. Uh, no, it would have been, I, I, I don't know um, about this Japanese lad and how that affects it. So I'm, I won't really factor that in too much, but it would have been uh, certainly a, a better centre back because I don't think Welsh or Starfield are going to take us to the level we want to go to and that, or Jens for that matter. But I think he's more of a kind of better, more someone I wouldn't mind so much as a backup. Um, and then other than that, it, we, we could do with someone that can finish the ball. Uh, you know, a striker like John, I don't want to say John Hartson because he wouldn't do the kind of high press that we need, but like someone with that level of finishing ability and uh, a bit more athleticism. Uh, you know, we're never going to get a Henry Larson, but there's, you know, there's surely got to be someone out there that we can uh, take and fix the flaws of or that's young enough that we can uh, get them to develop into the player that they can be uh, while they're at Celtic. Yeah, that's that's what I'd be targeting. And Shane? Yeah, look, I think the uh, central defender call is definitely spot on. I think this uh, set of games has probably highlighted that a little bit more. Probably the one that, that came up a little bit for me, uh, particularly from Thursday night, it's probably left back, to be honest. Um, I'm a bit concerned about Bernabe and um, not sure how well he's progressing in terms of, um, you know, whether he's going to not even challenge Taylor for a spot, but even be a reliable backup. You think of the kind of the situation we had last season with Juranovic and Ralston, right? You know, Juranovic first pick, Ralston, a very reliable backup that you can throw in any time. Um Look, maybe it's a bit harsh, but watching him against Sydney, I, I thought he was just um, his positioning was poor. Um, Sydney, all of Sydney's attacks were coming down that side. I just, I just felt like he was caught out a lot, and um, you know, it wouldn't be the first time I've sort of noticed it from him, but this time noticing it up close, it seemed to be a bit more pertinent. So probably left back, to be honest. For me, I'm just going to push aside the centre back situation because. We haven't had a stable centre-back pairing all season. So I'm going to give the guys the benefit of the doubt at the moment to get it right this season. But going into Champions League next year, the priority for me is we need a settled centre-back pairing. We need, we need someone alongside Carter Vickers if he, if he hangs around to take us to the next level. But that I know will get there. The key thing for me is if we went into January and we could sign a certain player I'm about to show to the camera, 
on a pre-contract and bring him home, that's our European striker that we're missing. Good yeah, work I heard that. Bring I heard that rumor. I heard that rumor. I don't know I'm where like, it came from. I don't know where it came from either, but I'm like, bring Musa home. He's out of contract at the end of the season. Make it happen. He's 26 years old. He's still young enough. He's the same age as Kyogo. Get in. Bring him home. But surely we're competing with the EPL on that one since he's uh and, and I mean mainly because he's uh one of the players who would count as homegrown for any English team in a European squad. Yeah. All right. So I said at the start I'd bring it up. So anyone looking for Solid Down under merch, it's eventually gonna <laughs> yeah, someone's hiding on it. We're gonna be um eventually it'll go back to our proper Solid Down Under website. I've just got to get that fixed. So so down under dot square dot site. You can get hoodies, you can get t-shirts on there. And if you want flags, you can just contact us at Salik Down on Twitter. And I'll do that just to stop Sean. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. How hail. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Hail hail. Hail hail. Our scandal, our scandal, our scandal, our scandal. <laughs> <laughs>